You are listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister, followed up by question and answer exchanges with groups of his students. Let me tell you a bit of a story about when I first started this practice. And it was actually when I... excuse me, first started to get more or less serious about it. And one of the aspects of Buddhism that attracted me so much was that it was seemed to be so much about the, uh, the mind, you know, that it was, it was intellectual. And this was an area where I felt very comfortable. I felt, okay, well, this is something I can master, okay? Nobody's put a book in front of me that I can't, kind of figure out. I mean, you know, I'm sure I can probably swing this one. And then um, I was introduced to these cases uh, in the, this one was the uh, the Book of Serenity. There's this one in the Blue Cliff uh, record, for those of you who are, who are interested in some pretty serious mind-bending. Um, and this was a, a recommendation uh, on the part of my uh, beloved teacher who saw that I was fascinated with the intellectual aspects of Buddhism. Um, Boy, what a surprise I had. Because what kind of unfolded was that this isn't about brains at all. This is precisely about what's on the other side of your mind, what's beyond your brain, okay? And of course, you don't get there until you, you get totally flummoxed. You get absolutely stopped dead in your tracks. And I, I read this particular case, which I'll read to you in a second here, and I just, I wanted to cry. It's like, what the heck am I doing? Why am I, if this is what, you know, Buddhism is, or or awakening is, or if this is what's going to kind of get me out of my, you know, repetitive, uh, 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 habitual inertia towards pain, then I I don't see, I don't see it. I don't see a way out. And it was really kind of an interesting space. At the time, really tragic and really quite frightening. Um, uh, and, and the fact that I would look to uh, the Book of Serenity for solace made absolutely no sense at all, especially when things like this appeared. So here's case 73. This is Shaoshan's three phrases. Shaoshan said to the assembly, quote, If you attain at the first phrase, you will be the teachers of Buddhas and patriarchs. If you attain at the second phrase, you will be teacher of humans and gods. If you attain at the third phrase, you cannot even save yourself. A monk asked, at which phrase did you attain? Shaoshan said, the moon sets midnight going through the marketplace. What? It's it's beautiful poetry, but please, what am I? Oh, and I felt so lost. Thus was born 
the wonder. Instead of knowing, squat. It was then, at that moment, all about, <laughs> I don't know. And all sorts of really cool things started to happen there. And I would argue that for none of us does the real rattle and roll of any type of significant spiritual practice occur until there is a bit of that, I don't know. Without the I don't know, we get caught in discursive thought. We get caught in, you know, chatterbox mind. Instead of being open to the spaciousness, we get kind of caught by the clouds. Instead of being open to that sky, instead of literally basking in the light, we get, you know, kind of addicted to the clouds. And those clouds take on all sorts of different forms. Um, as I've mentioned, thought, okay? Thought is a perfect type of cloud that we can become attached to. Feelings, another perfect kind of a cloud that we can become attached to. And we get caught by the cloud instead of seeing actually what's all around it. When we see what's all around the cloud, it doesn't negate the cloud, but it changes our relationship to it. We see it as relatively insignificant. It's not that it's not there, it's just that it's not the whole story. Similarly, time. Our relationship to time, time itself can become kind of like a cloud. Yeah, we're all kind of uh, subject to the clock, okay? All of us will, uh, you know, eventually become sick and die. That's one great truth. You, you, you guys can hang on to that one. We can all hang on to that, that these bodies will get sick and die. That the house is burning, okay? The house is burning, varying rates, okay? Yours burning maybe a little slower than ours, although we can't say for sure. Uh, but the house is burning. So how are you going to live? And when that kind of started informing uh, my, my practice a little bit more deeply, um, there was so much more just ease about the whole thing. There's nothing that we have to do. We don't have to do anything. As difficult it, as it is for us to hear, um, and I know I sound like Fred Rogers when I say this, but you're perfect, just like you are. Just the way you are. <laughs> that is such a gift that he gave just by saying that, that, that little line because for a while, children believed it. He never tried to sell us anything. My generation never tried to sell us anything other than awakening, which is not for sale. Rest was essentially what he was saying. Rest, you're okay. Everything is fine. No matter what the storm may look like, 
You can be at the center. You can be in the eye of that hurricane. Don't attach to what those clouds might look like. Bask. Very simple. Very simple lesson. And it's something that all of us can reconnect with. The beauty of being a little bit older. The beauty of not being five and hearing those words and working to let them in is that now you have a whole bunch more stuff, okay? You have a, we have all this, all this great uh, mud, as I call it, on the, uh, on the lampshade, all this dust on the lampshade that's just been spattered and you know, plunked on there. And we slowly but surely remind ourselves to dust. We let that light back out. We can now approach the radiance that Fred Rogers was bestowing upon the children who watched his show, we now can bring that radiance out consciously, okay? And in this conscious expression of that radiance, in this, this constant, spontaneous flow of light, we change ourselves and the whole world in the process. We don't get caught by the thoughts or by the feelings. We don't get caught or bound by time, except on kind of a physical level. Our bodies will remain subject to old age sickness and death. But that in us which can recognize the thoughts, that in us which can truly rest and bask in the radiance of that big sky, beyond the clouds, beyond the mind, beyond feeling. If we can rest there, that thing, that awareness is timeless. That awareness is beyond any form of grasping. It cannot be grasped and it cannot grasp. It is just open, radiant awareness. Resting there, in that awareness, we are free. We are awake. Sitting still is actually just a reminder. It's a practice, a reminder that we're free even folded up in a funny posture position, or if we're on our chair. That stillness, that stillness, a conscious apprehension of stillness is available to us no matter what travesty, no matter what story, no matter what glory, no matter what is going on, we can connect with that. Because actually, rather than connecting to it, we start recognizing that it is us, that we are infinite. So I asked my, uh, I asked my teacher not long after I started playing around with this uh, intellectual exercise that was failing so miserably. I was so frustrated and I was feeling totally broken. 
I thought I was being really clever by asking him, okay, I got a question for you because this one's killing me. What is mind? And he said, the moon sets, midnight, going through the marketplace. Okay. First of all, excuse my terminology or my anything that has to do with what I'm about to say. I had a very blissful experience during my sitting. Um, at one point, I was feeling the spirit, but through my mind, which I recognized as a thought, I kind of made myself come out of my body, not literally, but in my mind, staring at myself while my mind was still active and moving. I'm looking at myself, who's looking back at me, but is quiet on this side, and is just watching. And it clicked to me that the infinite spirit is us, and is myself, and that's exactly what was watching me, and perfection is what came to mind. And that was a beautiful thing. It sure is. And I felt very, very excited. Like I also thought of that as a thought. That's a thought that has met my body. I thought of compassion, and I got a warm feeling. I thought of excitement, and I got a tingly light feeling. Mm -hmm. And it just is what it is. Mm -hmm. And I accepted it for that and knew that it was perfect in itself. And I am a part of that. And it's no different from this moment. Okay, now you're going to please forgive everything that I say right now. Let go of precisely all of that. Because if you let go of all of that, there's no chance of defiling any of that. Yeah. Please don't let Victor's blissful experience intimidate any of your questions. <laughs> It'll come back. I promise. It'll come back. You actually do bring up like a, something I, I would actually love to comment on a little bit. And I don't want to take anything away from the majesty of your articulation. But what you're talking about, it's like, it, it's like a spinning mirror. If you spin a mirror fast enough, you've got the dark side of the mirror and you also have the reflective side. But if you spin it fast enough, it still just looks like a mirror, right? And that articulation, that is awakening, recognizing the reflective nature of our mind, okay? And also the vast, open, dark nature of experience, all at once, just like that, all the time. And this has nothing to do with intellect. Nothing. This is not intellectual, okay? 
This is also not all about experience and hanging on to the experience. It's not about hanging on to the vision. Okay? It's not about hanging on to the feeling. It's about recognizing the perfection of all of it just happening when it happens, as it happens, no matter what it is. And that recognition, that awareness, that's the light. Um, I enjoyed the silence. I found that um, you know, a, a good, you know, had good memories, judgments, all those things. and, and uh, No plans, though? Uh, all that <laughs> was fly. I mean, there are lots yeah. of clouds and good. Right. But um, I found the walking like being in traffic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, That's such I, a great I, point. I've, I've done the sitting, not as comfortable in it. And this is uh, um, the sitting was, was a familiar place and a good place for me. The walking, I found um, like, <laughs> you know, we, we, all, we all drive. Right, right. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, the walking meditation is such a great metaphor for life. Uh, it's not so hard to sit. I mean, it is. I mean, you, we, we go through all sorts of stuff when we sit, as, as silly as that sounds. Sitting still, try it. That is hard work, okay? But then popping off your cushion or out of your chair and trying to walk mindfully, okay, one step, one breath, kinhin, with people in front of you or someone tailgating you, and suddenly you're on Highway 24 at 5 p.m., okay, right as you approach the Caldecott. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, the, about maybe the one blessing is that you have automatic transmission, you know, that you're not having to go with that clutch. But what happens is, it, as we do it more and more, just as we sit more and more, we recognize that all we have to do is slow our step down slightly and we won't tailgate. And if somebody's tailgating us, we welcome it. We welcome the tension. Because the tension that we start experiencing, okay, is a direct path to awakening, okay? It allows us to see what we're clinging to. And typically, it's at other people. It's not inward directed, but rather externally directed. Could the guy walk any slower, right? You know? Do I need to put a blinker on my ass? You know, that type of thing. So we start, I mean, these are all things that at least I have had go through my head. Uh, when I've been doing walking meditation, when I was wearing the robe, even balder, okay. It's it's a it's a it's a beautiful opportunity when you watch your resistance. So I really want to encourage you, whenever you feel resistance, that's a clue about an attachment that you have. Whenever any of us feels resistance towards another person, another situation, another opinion, another idea, a feeling, 
whenever we feel either like we want to go after it or we want to avoid it, that attachment right there is the impediment to awakening. It's the impediment. That relationship to things as they arise that goes from being, oh, wow, this is blissful to God dang it, right? That contraction, and you can feel it in your body. You can feel it as you start to, mm -hmm, you know? Going from, from that squeeze into a, you know what? It's going to be fine. The guy just cut me off. You know what? He must really need to get there quickly. I wish that suburban driver on the cell phone, oh my God, she has blonde hair. I wish, I wish she would just hang up and drive. Instead of that, a whole different relationship, a whole different relationship is available. We have a billion options, a billion options in any moment. And when they involve surrender, not giving in, but just like, huh, <laughs> wow. There was a lot of anger in me right there. Being curious about that changes our world and everybody else's. So can't wait to see you do Kinhin again. Every, the walking meditation. Everybody's going to be watching you. I hope you're okay <laughs> with that. <Yeah. laughs> a signal. Resistance to being in a line. Oh, yeah. I could just walk at my own pace if I just went. Right. 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 Yeah. It was, I got I to tell you, it was uh, 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 in the training. I hated, oh, I hated Ken Hin for that same reason. Until we were sitting for very, very long periods of time, for days. And what you do is you start getting to the point where if only I could just move. And then Kinhin opened up totally. It was this, just this amazing gift, you know? And so again, it's our relationship to the event. It's our relationship to the other person. If the relationship is one of clinging, we will suffer. If the relationship is one of relaxed openness, we become Buddha. Curious the uh, the words about the moon. How did what did you do with it? I mean, you, something you can't intellectually process. Right. Well, I mean, my sense. I don't know. Feel it. Where does it hit? Where does it strike my body? Right. I don't. Essentially, what the when when he, when he said that to me. It was instead of this, I had no place to go but <sighs> I had no place to go but to open. I couldn't close down. I couldn't I couldn't get my I couldn't get my arms around it. I couldn't get my mind around it. And he's just just looking at me, straight in the face. The moon sets. Midnight. Penetrating the marketplace. Wow. <laughs> 
I have nowhere to go. Wait a minute. Who's the I? Right? It's just a shock. A shock that stops the mind. Yet there is still consciousness. There's still awareness. And it has nothing to do with anybody's intellectual gifts. Thanks for coming tonight.